Hey, I'm Amit Farhang, CCO at Momentum. Today, my guest, Elizabeth Rutledge, Chief Marketing Officer at American Express, overseeing the brand's global media, communications, sponsorships, experiences, strategic planning, and customer insights. Elizabeth grew up at American Express, where she's been for 30 years, and where she's held a vast array of responsibilities, including U.S. card products and benefits, charge portfolio, co-brand products, membership rewards, and global network marketing. Most recently, as CMO, she partnered with Lin-Manuel Miranda to bring Hamilton to Puerto Rico and help revitalize the island's small businesses in the wake of Hurricane Maria. She currently is the executive sponsor for American Express's Global Millennial Network and plays an active role in the company's Women's Interest Network. She also serves on the board of directors for the YMCA of Greater New York and the Association of National Advertisers. Elizabeth is a graduate of Princeton University and holds an MBA from NYU. She is a wife, a mother, and a boss, guiding the path forward for one of the world's most admired and intrepid brands. This is Elizabeth Rutledge and I talking to ourselves. Yeah. No, I, some of my team, I mean, need to be, right? Because I yeah. need to have fresh perspectives. Yeah. So I tell, um, <laughs> I would always tell creatives, you know, you may not be at this agency long. Every brief we do starts with, I and mean, this was like five years ago, I'd be like, yeah. every brief we do starts with like, insights on the caged mystical beast known as the millennial. I said, you know, for whatever you lack in experience, if you think it's a cool idea, you probably have more more defense than anyone else in the room. So right. How do you make things simple for people? That's exactly right. Totally right. It's it's interesting. Some of my, this won't surprise you. Uh, I do roundtables all the time, both with my own team, but also with others around the company. And this wouldn't surprise you when I had my, the newer members of my team in, there were about 10 or 15 of them in the room. I would say at least 50% of them came from one of our agency partners and they they had worked on Amex, which is pretty cool if you worked there and you saw it from a different light and now you want to come and, you know, be here. But it's just interesting, the connection points sort of all leading, leading in. So if there's one thing that's a takeaway for me, having been in this business for a while, it's that it's almost impossible to do extraordinary work unless there are strong long-standing relationships between the client side and the agency side. And one of the best ways to get there is when you have someone who's worked at both places and it just removes some of the pretense and you can have real conversations uh, and you yeah. can talk about challenges with the real honesty that gets you to a better place. Com- I 100% agree with you. And, and it's a seamless transition um, as well. And they know what they're getting into, right? Yeah. They've, they've seen it already in operation in terms of what we're all about. So yeah. they signed up. Yeah. And they know when they're having not the best talent pawned off on them too. Like, <laughs> I know that guy. I want the other guy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so starting from the beginning here, um, I always like to start with where are you from and what did your parents do? Oh, wow. Where am I from? <laughs> uh, I grew up in Rye, New York, and my mom was a school teacher, um, and my dad was uh, primarily a human resources executive. Okay. And what did 12-year-old Elizabeth want to be when she grew up? Uh, 12-year-old Elizabeth, as a matter of fact, I found um, a letter that I had written, not when I was 12, but when I was 10, in uh, cleaning up. And I wanted to be a teacher, and I wanted to be a librarian, and I wanted to be a ballet dancer. If you were going to say the letter said I wanted to be the CMO of Amex, I was going to turn the microphones <laughs> off. <laughs> Definitely wasn't. That was not on the list. <laughs> um, do you remember what your first job was? Uh, my first job uh, was uh, hanging up lingerie in a department store. <laughs> 
Uh, so that was a fun one. <laughs> that was your first foray into customer first. That was. That totally was. And those hangers are difficult. That's all I'll have to tell you about that. <laughs> um, you got your MBA from NYU? I did. Um, I have a few friends who've pursued MBAs, and more of them than not didn't really know what they were going to do with them. <laughs> did you have a sense of what you wanted to do when you completed your degree at, by that point? So the interesting thing about this is I did my MBA at night. I was already at American Express. Um, and that was what was really great um, about that education. I don't recommend it to people because it was, you know, work all day, work all night. Um, and at the time when I went to NYU, I was primarily in classes with full-time students who had a little bit more flexibility in their schedule. I always seemed to be the one who was taking the lead on the team projects right. because I was going to drive towards a, a deadline. But the really cool and great thing about going to school at night while working was there was just direct application almost immediately, either one way or another, in terms of a work experience that I could bring uh, to my friends at school or things I was learning in school that I could bring to work. Right. And once you enter the working world, you learn an efficiency I mean, do you ever look back at when you were in school before you entered the working mm -hmm. world at just the oh. amount of time wasted thinking about doing something rather than actually the doing of it? The, the beauty of the, and the luxury of all that time. Uh, uh, and you're right. And then that was what was good about going to school at night and working day, like at deadlines. You know, I was great at making stuff happen quickly. All, you know, I think just you don't have a lot of time. You yeah. got to figure it out. So you, you've essentially grown up at American Express. Um, you know, we'll get into it with more granularity, but just at a macro level, do you look back on your 30 years in distinct chapters uh, or does it all sort of bleed together? Does it feel like one career or does it feel like a number of careers? It is the, my 30 year experience has been amazing <laughs> and it's definitely uh, lots of chapters along the way, both in terms of work that I've been responsible for, as well as me growing up as a leader. And I have been so fortunate to have both global jobs and very local jobs. I've been fortunate to work on the consumer, on the commercial, and on the merchant um, segments of our business, and also uh, have responsibility for a variety of different functions, whether it was sort of P&L management, uh, whether it was sort of marketing, acquisition, sort of loyalty, new product development. Um, and I have had just amazing opportunities. I got to run our very iconic charge card business. Um, I got to negotiate some of our biggest partnership deals. Um, and also, um, back at the beginning of those social media platforms, I was actually trying to work with those partners for some unique, interesting, and different digital offerings for our customers. So I, I have seen it all um, and, and had just amazing experiences along the way that have shaped me both as a leader and, you know, I think helped me today as I make decisions as a, as a CMO. Yeah, I mean, what you just described is such varying responsibilities. Did it feel like each job prepared you for the next job? or Because from the outside looking in, it appears like you mastered one thing and the reward for it was you got thrown into a thing that <laughs> was quite a bit different. And, and, the, and probably what they saw in you was it's her approach to problem solving. She'll get up to speed quickly, even if this is quite a bit different than the previous task. Yeah, and I think that's what's great at working at, at American Express in terms of having those types of opportunities and the responsibility. And you learn quickly. Um, and uh, and I love being thrown in the deep end. And I also love an ambiguous situation uh, because I like to find those connections um, and make them happen in places where others may not be excited about or looking for. Yeah. That's a place where I think I can excel. 
One of the great business authors is a Stanford, Stanford professor named Jim Collins, and he intro- introduced this idea called who luck. Um, and that's the luck of the right people intersecting your life during your journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was that who luck sort of mentor figure for you at American Express? So I am lucky to have um, a couple, and one won't surprise you in terms of uh, Ken Chenault, who is now uh, uh, retired from uh, being CEO of American Express. Uh, but uh, he pulled me along and saw something in me as we were uh, talking just a little bit about, um, gave me the confidence, um, and uh, you know I learned so much from him. And I got to have this experience of being – right with him for his last two years, um, being the CEO. So uh, incredible marketer, uh, and also opened up all of the contacts and knowledge that he has over his um, tremendous career. Uh, What a gift um, in terms of having that for the last two years he was there, helping me prepare for this job now. But someone else comes to mind in terms of a long while back. Um, I was moving from the consumer business to the merchant business, uh, and the leader of the merchant business was brand new to the company, uh, previously had been at Pepsi. So in essence, we were both new, uh, joining this organization and new in our responsibilities. And the first thing he said to me, and I think the last thing that he said to me in terms of all the time we worked together, which was about eight years, is, Elizabeth, you have an incredible voice. You have a point of view. Why aren't you speaking up and like speaking out? Like, you need to take risks. Uh, you need to be confident. And he would just let me go. Give me my wings. Give me the guardrails. Uh, and he was there. He was there for me, you know, sort of every single time I wasn't sure sort of what to do. But he was also there not to tell me exactly what to do, but to sort of push me, push me forward. I uh, won't forget that. Wow. My first week at Momentum, we produced a American Express Partner Summit where I saw Ken Chenault speak. And he said, somewhere along uh, his Q&A, he said, integrity is the consistency of words and actions. Mm -hmm. And he defined it that simply and with that wisdom, like right when it hit my ear, Mm -hmm. I knew immediately that it it was just a bit of wisdom that would stay with me forever. Yeah, he always talked to me about sort of keeping your kind of, you know, nose to the grindstone, but making sure you, you know, lift your eyes and look on the horizon. Uh, Many things we probably could share with one another in terms of uh, some of the words and the wisdom um, that he shared with me. Iconic leader, um, but also someone who cared deeply about his people. Um, cared, you know, deeply about growing me um, and 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 pulling me along. Uh, it was just a special experience for me. I mean, I, it's hard to really describe to you in a few minutes right. in terms of those two years um, together. Certainly, I had been with them, you know, over many discussions uh, over the, the the lifetime of his career and my career. But those last two years um, were just really special. He took the time uh, to really teach me how to be. Uh, just a, a, a fabulous collaborator, how to get the best out of the agencies, um, because he did that often in his career. Um, and he opened doors for me in terms of new ideas and new people, um, and also <laughs> constantly reminded me that we needed to make sure that we were entwined with pop culture and not to forget about that um, in terms of where the brand was, is, and can be. We're going to return to that thought of getting the best out of agencies. Um, You became CMO just over a year ago. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and you came right out of the gates with a very clear mission to make American Express essential to customers' lives and be customer first. Yeah. Uh, how do you put definition to that? Uh, the customers of the North Star. Um, and I feel so incredibly strongly about that, that we just need to pause, stop, listen, acknowledge, respect, understand what they need and sort of what they want. Um, and once you have a clear understanding, that clear insight, that drives everything else. I'm also all about um, making it easy, <laughs> delivering on a very seamless kind of frictionless experience, uh, and making sure that experience has value, and then you're going to get that emotional connection um, from the customer. But they need to see it, feel it, hear it, know it, to believe it. Um, and we need to be guided but by what they want, what they need, and we have to evolve constantly uh, and listen, listen, listen. That's what it's sort of all about at the end of the day. You know, you're right in terms of our mission, in terms of just trying to deliver on the best uh, customer experience every single day. And the best way we can do that is respect, listen, understand, and know them. Yeah, I think when people think of American Express, they think of a sort of a relationship company as the definition that sits over any you know product or service. And American Express, in a lot of ways, kind of spearheaded this concept of the modern relationship company. Um, as someone who's seen multiple evolutions of Amex over the years, do you find it particularly challenging to be in the relationship business in an increasingly impersonal world? Yeah, I love that question because that's the reason why I've stayed here for 30 years at, at American Express. I totally believe that we stand out and differentiate ourselves because we're all about long-term relationships and what I would call a short-term and transactional and sometimes very impersonal um, world. And there are many ways to do it. It doesn't always have to be um, on the phone or in person. Uh, those experiences that you can, can create can create can be meaningful, kind of online um, as well. And uh, you know how I would sort of talk about um, these relationships and sort of the importance of them. I'll give you a couple examples. I think uh, uh, to kind of help you. One, if you look at our mobile app, and you'd think of that as maybe sort of a more impersonal experience, but we've really made it seamless, easy, and kind of got voted number one in terms of JD Power uh, around that experience. Uh, we've just introduced a product called Amex Go, um, and this to me is all about what's happening in the gig economy um, in terms of the proliferation of more temporary workers and our small and medium-sized businesses needing to figure out how best to manage expenses for their more temporary or casual workers. So we've created this digital solution that makes it easy for them um, in what I think is a sort of transforming time from a work perspective. They all end up being rooted in terms of what's that kind of relationship that we're trying uh, to create with our customers. We create lots of physical touch points in terms of our Centurion lounges mm -hmm. um, that we have uh, primarily in airports. Um, and I think those types of touch points uh, or relationships at an oasis in kind of the chaotic kind of crazy world are another great example. We've seen double-digit increases in our visits there. Um, and uh, we're opening five new lounges over the you know next two years or so as well because I think people are craving places to have sort of community, uh, to have a, a, a you know a place that where they they can do their work or be with their um, family. Uh, another great example is all around what we've done in our communities, particularly Small Business Saturday and Shop Small. Um, and uh, really this notion of trying to uh, drive businesses into those communities when they need it. 
uh, and uh, the power of our business model, both on the customer side and on the merchant side, and be able to sort of deliver value through customers, through offers, through programs to help merchants sort of run their businesses. These are all things that we built up over time, all core at the end of the day, whether it's the physical relationships or the digital relationships in terms of how I think we show up for our customers in very different, differentiated, and unique ways. Yeah, so there's the sort of innovation of products and services to prove the mission you know, today and tomorrow. And then there's the brand build, brand building side of your responsibilities. Um, and American Express is a brand that was long synonymous with this brand positioning and the tagline, don't leave home without it. Uh, in spring of last year, you launched the new brand positioning with McGarry Bowen, don't live life without it. Um, can you just take us through a little bit of the process that landed you on this positioning that has this clear foot in the future, uh, but also pays homage to the brand's past and to the brand's DNA? Yeah, um, and you're right. You just, you, you, I think you helped me answer the question just in the sense of sort of drawing on that 169-year history of service, security, and trust. But as we just talked about in terms of the evolving needs of the customer going forward in terms of that statement around powerful backing, we've got your back and we're going to be there for you. Look, we did a lot of research, drew a lot of sort of insights from our customers in terms of where they had been and where they're going. What I like, though, about this, and to be clear, it's not just an advertising campaign, and I feel really strongly about this. For me, it's all about the be, the do, and the say. And the say is what you uh, were talking about in terms of that tagline around powerful backing, don't do business, don't live life without it. But just importantly is all around the be and about the do as well um, in terms of this. And so four months before we launched the campaign, we launched it to our 55,000 employees. And I felt that that was so incredibly important because they are our best brand ambassadors. But not only did we launch it to our employees, we spent a lot of time thinking about our employee value proposition as much as we did about our customer value proposition in this powerful backing promise. So I want to make sure that we have the backs of employees as much as we have the backs of our customers. So we did a lot around our recruiting efforts, our training, our development, our benefits as well, um, to just make sure that we had the backs of our employees, our best brand ambassadors. So that's all about the B. And then the do for me was this was going to be a platform that needs to sort of live on and evolve. And we needed to be all about, like, what's that powerful backing? Like, needed to sort of deliver on the promise. So, again, not just a tagline. There needed to be, and there are many, many examples of how we're delivering on that promise. We just talked about a few of them already in terms of things like the Centurion Lounge. We are piloting right now a digital concierge service that customers through a messaging service on their phone can make dining reservations, can make travel arrangements in your time um, you know, when you need to do it. Um, and so we're just thinking about all these different ways that we can have our customers' backs. Another great example is all the things we do from a fraud protection perspective. So you really need to make sure if you're going to be out there talking about this, don't live life, don't do business without it, that you had all of these products, services, and right. promises sort of already there. It, go it actually goes back to Ken Chenault's definition of integrity mm -hmm. uh, with consistency of words and actions. And if you're going to have a brand positioning and a tagline that's that overt, you better have the goods to back it up. And I think about um, an area where American Express has been a leader in rethinking the role of physical experiences within a marketing mix. Uh, you know, and for many brands, it used to be sort of a tactic on the outskirts. And now we're seeing some of the great brands in the world following American Express's lead 
um, and and with more sort of live high touch experiences at the center of their marketing mix. How do you think about the value of those live experiences and showing up for card members at you know some of the biggest pop cultural moments? Yeah. Incredibly important, um, and millions of our customers have taken advantage of those experiences. Whether we talk about it from a pre-sales uh, perspective, in terms of uh, you know delighting someone from a unique concert experience, whether we talk about uh, the U.S. Open and everything that you get when you show up there, from the radios in your ear, so you can have that play-by-play action while you're watching the match, to some unique fan experiences that we've created there so that you can enjoy the, the game on your time and your terms. We've also introduced a lounge there um, for our customers sort of to relax. So a really immersive experience, uh, sort of demonstrating again that powerful backing, those relationships that we're talking about. These experiences are extremely important, whether we're talking about it from a sports perspective, whether we're talking about it from a music perspective, whether we're talking about it from a dining perspective. And I know you talked about live experiences. We mentioned the lounges as well, as I would put that in the mix yeah. in terms of just something that we're trying to create in terms of taking the stress out of travel um, from one you know point to the other. I also, though, think it's going to be increasingly important to think about experiences and the mix digitally as well. And we've referenced some of them already in terms of how important uh, the mobile app is to our sort of customer base or doing things like I just talked about in terms of the ability to text in the middle of the night in terms of, hey, I'm trying to think about the the, the best restaurant, uh, you know, to go on a date. Uh, help me in terms of give me some recommendations and the ability to do that on your terms sort of in your time. So I I think it's the live experience are extremely important, and you're right. They're great moments for us that uh, lots of, of people are experiencing. But I also think we need to be there in those personal, individual moments, yeah. um, uh, you know, with services, products uh, as well. And I would just define it much more broadly yeah. uh, than just live experiences. Yeah, I think whether it's whether it's in those personal more moments or whether it's at those big cultural moments uh, and in those sort of high touch moments. I will tell you, as you know, one of the agencies at Momentum that that helps bring together some of that some of those live proof points, uh, in partnership with American Express, just a trend that I've seen in my four years here has been, you know, when I first would go to hire creatives to do the type of work that we do for American Express and others, the old sort of the old sort of approach to hiring was like, well, that creative you know is interesting and they came from RGA or Droga Five or Wyden Kennedy, you know they they're really good at big ideas, but they they just don't know quote unquote our space, mm -hmm. um, and that has really shifted as you see you know the quote unquote traditional agencies moving more into the center of, of non-traditional advertising. Um, and you see some of the best creatives in the world, they're already thinking this way. And so now they're looking for places to go and and have the ideas that they create that, that you would sort of, um, that you would file under what we're talking about mm -hmm. as more than just good meeting fodder. And they actually wanna make them. And so for me, I feel like, you know, experiential and sponsorship is this sort of new frontier of creativity. And it's ex it's really exciting because American Express has sort of always been on the yeah, forefront Yeah, I think you're that. absolutely, you're, you're absolutely right and those moments are hard to duplicate yeah. um, and <laughs> one of the things we find after someone um, experiences a, a moment like this is we have a program called member get member a customer referral program it is now our second largest source 
of new customers globally, that referral program. Um, And what are they talking about? These experiences that we were just describing um, with each other. And what we've also found is that about a third of those that get referred to Amex and then ultimately become part um, of our brand then recommend (laughs) and bring in others. So it's that whole network effect. Um, And so... Uh, I find it fascinating. I think you're saying the same thing. In some ways, what's old is new in terms of just, you know, that, totally. pow- that power of, wor- of word of mouth yeah. is literally one of our biggest sources of new customers now. And it's because these moments are just not, they're, they're very hard to duplicate and they're special and unique. Yeah. We started out talking a little bit about your variety of roles. Um, so you've held, you know, multiple senior management positions, but every CMO says that there are certain aspects of the job that can sort of only be learned through trial by fire. Mm-hmm. Um, has there been one aspect in particular to being a first-time CMO that you didn't anticipate or found uniquely challenging in this first year? You know, there, there, when you ask that question, I think of three things. First of all, the challenges or opportunities uh, that I face and we, we, we all face, I think, as marketers in terms of just what's happening in our industry. So let's start there first. I feel like I learned something and then the next day it changes again in terms of uh, just where we're going from a programmatic media perspective, where we're going from a brand purpose perspective, where we're going, as you just described, from an experiential perspective, the role of agency partners and the complexity of that and how that's sort of changing over time. And to me, the explosion of media channels in terms of how the consumer um, is just living their, you know, their, their day every day. And the fact that I just saw this fact today that, you know, we have an attention span, I think, uh, less than a goldfish in terms of it. I think it used to be 12 seconds. It's now eight seconds. So, wow, that's like hard. That's hard business to be in um, when people are distracted and there's a lot going on. And so, so much is going on in our, our, in our industry. Um, and I'm learning constantly every day. And I think uh, you got to be curious in this job um, and you got to keep with it. The second challenge, and this you might find interesting, I've been certainly in the payments industry for a long time, um, but that's disrupting um, as we speak as well. And, uh, you know, I'll give you an example. I commute in every day on the train. Paper ticket 12 months ago, there's now a bespoke app for that. And what I'm amazed about is not so much the appearance of the app, but the adoption rate just how quickly that went from paper to everybody. I'd say like 70 to 80% of us train riders now are using that app. And uh, the the adoption curves are are, are really shortening um, in terms of what's going on um, in my industry. And so, so much is going on in that space. And then the third space that's been an interesting challenge for me is just uh, the marketing transformation at American Express and specifically in terms of the way we work going forward. A big believer in terms of agile marketing. Uh, This notion of just getting seven or eight people around a pizza, is the way I like to describe it, creating that scrum, having the copywriter there, UX, UI, the legal compliance, product manager, marketing manager in a room, two-week sprints, um, making stuff happen. Employee satisfaction is, is, uh, is much higher when we operate like this. Our cycle times have been reduced. 
And ultimately, the customer is the judge of this, you know, much more effective in terms of reaching the customer, uh, again, both from an effective perspective and from an efficiency perspective. So those are the kind of three buckets that in this, you know, first year of CMO between kind of what's happening in our industry uh, from a marketing advertising perspective, what's happening in the payments industry, and then what's happening with marketing at Amex. A lot to think about, but really exciting. Yeah, whether it's managing people, managing agencies, um, putting processes in place, um, your own personal creative taste. You know, every CMO kind of has their own style. You know, mm-hmm. your predecessor, the great John Hayes, definitely had his own style. Mm-hmm. In your first year, how have you found it, finding your your own style? Yeah. Um, ha- had to find my own voice, um, definitely. Um, and um, very, I think, what you see is what you get. Uh, very uh, transparent. And I'm all about let's kind of... Uh, Clear the decks, set the context um, um, about bringing others along very much in in that mode. And and we have a saying in my team in terms of disagree, commit, and smile. And I think the disagree and the smile are just as important as the the commit in terms of, you know, let's talk it out. Um, Bring different points of view um, into the room. But then we got to figure out how we're going to get out of the room. Right. Um, and then we're smiling after we get out of the room. You may not have all agreed, but you had your chance. You were able to share sort of your point of view. Now we all got to be together in this and sort of make this happen, you know, kind of at the other end. Um, you know, and for me, then it's about doing it the right way. Like, let's be transparent about things. Uh, and let's be real <laughs> um, about things. Let's have that passion and let's have that commitment. I think those are the things that have been guiding me in terms of my own style and sort of leading the team. Yeah, you're being exposed, I would assume, to way more creative concepts than in your previous role. And creative creativity is incredibly subjective. Um, have you had to uh, rethink your relationship with your own gut instinct in this new role? Mm, such a great question. Uh for me, it's it is in the first five seconds. Like, do I get it or not? Is it working or is it not? Is it clear? Um, that's my test. It's five, ten seconds at most. Um, probably back to that attention span yeah. of the of if the. If that's goldfish. what people in the world get, have the the timeline to decide, then that should be the same timeline for you. So, that's that's the the first way to go about it. Definitely want to source other opinions though, um, and then as I said before got to make the decision and go. Yeah. I can remember my first exposure to American Express uh, in the early 90s. And my friend said, like, you know, you got to get an American Express. The customer service. I mean, you just, you call these people and they will solve your problems with a with a commitment and courtesy that just doesn't exist anywhere else in the world. And over time, how we define customer service has changed and how we define why American Express over any of your competitors um, has changed. And every time American Express innovates, it feels like your competitors attempt to not just borrow, but copy the playbook. Um, within the building over the years, is that the number one challenge is just figuring out where to go next and accepting that imitation by your competitors is just sort of a twisted form of flattery? <laughs> um, look, uh, we got to be one step ahead. We got to be one beat ahead. And I told you before, the North Star is the customer at the end of the day. Yeah, certainly I'm very well aware 
of what our uh, competitors have done, are doing, and I'm sure are planning going forward. But for me, the customers are the North Star at the end of the day. And you hit on it. Look, we're a 169-year-old brand, service, security, trust. That's going to be the core of what we're about, and we're going to continue to focus on that. But it is so important uh, to be out front, to try things. Um, Some of them will work, and some of them won't. Um, But for me, uh, the customer uh, is the North Star, and that curiosity, passion for our craft, um, those are all things that are going to set us apart. And the last thing that I would say in terms of what sets sets us apart, and I think you know this already, we have a differentiated business model. We uh, we own things end to end um, from both an issuer and from a merchant perspective. And it's all about our data, our economics, and our relationships that sort of set us apart at the end of the day. I go home at night feeling really great about that differentiated business model. We stand out from our competitors in that, in those three areas in particular, and those end-to-end relationships. You've also been outspoken about transforming the relationship with work. Mm -hmm. Um, How have you seen the relationship between work and life change? Maybe starting with you personally, and then in terms of how you best service card members um, by understanding their changing needs and their changing values. I'm sure all of us can re- relate. Everything's blended together yeah, now. For sure. I, I mean, one second I feel like I'm a great mom. The next second, hopefully, I'm feeling better in terms of being a good manager or leader. Um, and you know, there's no such thing as balance. Um, you know, at the end of the day, just put one foot forward, one day at a time. And I really tell everybody, you, you know, you got to find time for these things. Um, in both places. And a lot of this is is uh, blending uh, together. I think if we step back from my uh, the, the balance or the the just the the, the ability to, to put one foot in front of another in in my own life, and we talk about what's happening in the world for a second, um, I think that we're at a moment now. We're going to come back ten to twenty years from now and go, wow, this was a moment in terms of where work transformed. I think people are having different types of relationships um, with work, and the facts are there. You know, I think uh, stats out there that by twenty twenty. of the workforce is going to be temporary or casual or really what that means is I think uh, that people are getting more than one paycheck. It's the advent of the side hustle. Um, uh, It's it's just the gig economy. It's just it's different out there. And so you got to really think about these blended lives and then what role Amex can play in those blended lives, whether it's when you're on our app, your ability to toggle from your business relationship with us to your personal relationship with us. Uh, Some love compartmentalization, some love consolidation. Uh, We have to think about all these products and services. You know, I mentioned Amex Go earlier in terms of uh, this uh, service that we've created to help mid and large size companies as they're trying to manage expenses for their temporary workers. There's so many sweet spots for, I think, us to think about, given that we uh, have a strong business side and a strong commercial uh, uh, consumer side of our business. We have great products and services. Uh, and and that's the pathway forward for us in this sort of blended life. Where can we deliver products and services that are going to meet, you know, both ends of the spectrum? Yeah. You are a mom and you are a boss. Yeah. <laughs> Did becoming a parent change your management style in any way? <laughs> uh, 
I got more organized because um, you don't have as much time. Um, you just, uh, I think you work a little bit differently, uh, better prioritization skills at the end of the day. I think you have a different kind of empathy um, at the end of the day um, as well. Um, and as I told you before, uh, uh, well, and, and the, the good news now, I have a 20-something-year-old uh, um, in the house, and uh, I learn a lot from her every day, right. um, uh, both personally and to help me from a, from a work perspective, um, you know, as well. I mean, a big part of management is relationships and interpersonal skills. Do you, do you study and psychoanalyze the EQ side of management, or do you just try to let it flow and not overanalyze it too much. Yeah, I'm a let it flow, don't overanalyze um, things, but be in tune um, with what's going on. You know, I'm all, all about, I know this is maybe a little bit of a cliche, but, uh, you know, uh, certainly uh, talking to my team about bringing your whole self to work and then also sort of understanding and knowledge that uh, you got to walk a, a mile in someone else's shoes or at least try to understand what meeting they were in before, where they're going, what might be on their mind. And this comes back to that sort of empathy again, just being aware, yeah. um, you know, pick up, pick, look up, you know, look around, understand sort of what, what's going on with your team, with the, the, the environment, you know, and that's just going to make you uh, a better creator at the end of the day. Do you worry more about being too hard on people or too soft on people? <laughs> oh, I, uh, maybe too soft, maybe so, too soft. Um, me too. Because I, I care. I care tremendously, um, and uh, I don't worry too much about it, though. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit, if you would, about the Women's Interest Network and the role that you play in that. Yeah. I'm incredibly passionate um, uh, about this, and let me talk about it in, in a couple different ways. Uh, first of all, I think it is just so important uh, to bring the next generation of leaders on, whether we're talking about men or women. I'm particularly supportive of bringing the next generation of female leaders on, but that's my role. I feel like that's probably my primary role in terms of uh, bringing the next generation of leaders along. And I like to think about it in a couple of different ways. Um, one, this notion that um, we need to uh, learn how to build diverse teams because I, I need to make sure that we are reflecting our customer base um, and bringing diversity of thought and experience um, and all the other definitions of uh, diversity sort of into the room to make a better product. The second thing that I'm really passionate about is uh, helping female leaders build their personal brand. I think it's so important in terms of understanding what their ambition is, um, understanding who they are, what they stand for, and it's back to like speak up sort of and speak out. And it's even practical tips in terms of what does your LinkedIn presence, you know, sort of look like yeah. um, at the end of the day. It's important um, that you think about those things and you define very personally for you what ambition means. And there's all types of definitions from personal and professional ambition. Uh, but think about that. Um, and so that for me um, is extremely important. And the last thing that I'm trying to do um, with other leaders in the company, and this is about both men and women 
um, in this journey um, is that we're really trying to build a gender-inclusive uh, community. Uh, and so important um, that we do that and we focus on that. And it's w- what that's all about is like speaking about this, talking about it, um, getting awareness uh, about it, um, and making people conscious of that unconscious bias that happens, both in terms of the way that we talk to one another, the way we review um, each other in our year-end assessments even, uh, words matter. Um, and so uh, to be really focused and, and, and understand that, uh, really important to me. Yeah, and we're seeing it on the brand side and we're seeing it on the agency side. And what started as this initiative that I think for some old school people felt like out of obligation, it's like we don't strive for a more diverse workforce out of obligation or out of charity. We do it because we're good capitalists and you create a better product and you're smarter and you're more dynamic when it's not the same person repeated in the room. And I know you've seen that on your side of the business and we certainly have seen it on ours. Yeah, no, and I, I think this is important even in how we accurately portray women in media and, you know, advertising um, as well. And uh, you're right. It, it, this is just extremely important. Um, and I just go back to the point we, we started with in terms of building these diverse teams, whether it's my own team or an agency partner team at the end of the day, it's going to get better work out the door, you know, out, out the other end. It's going to be reflective of what we talked about in terms of those consumer insights, those consumer needs. Um, it, 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 it's crucial. It's vital. There, there's no... There's no doubt about this. Like we have to focus on this. Yeah, let's talk about the work. In your new role, you're interacting with agencies far more closely. Um, what have been some of your early observations about how to get the most out of agencies, as you as you referenced when you were talking about Ken? Yeah, you you, you and I already talked about this. I think at the core of this is relationships, relationships, relationships. Yeah. Um, but there's a couple other things as well. Um, my agency partners need to know how to plug and play, no matter what it is, plug and p- play in terms of working with a specific business unit or segment in my organization. They need to learn how to plug and play with other partners that I brought to the table externally um, as well. So it's check the ego at the door. <laughs> yeah. You got to play in the sandbox. You got to make things happen, you know, sort of as a team. The other thing is, is and, and my partners know this and know this well, they know the business. Um, they've taken the time. Uh, to get up to speed, uh, to understand what it's like to both work in the organization, how work gets done. They understand who our customer sets are. Um, And so it's that relationship. It's showing up as an integrated partner and team. It's knowing the business. It's cultivating those uh, consumer insights that I think are so important for great work. And then it's having that passion for your craft um, and, you know, sort of bringing it to the finish line kind of at the end of the day. But it is a constant dialogue back and forth. But to me, the most important thing is that plug and play. Like, we got to be an integrated team here to make great work. Yeah, I think we're still in the in the uh, infant stages of agencies learning how to work together on behalf of a big brand. And, and there's no version of working on a Fortune 500 company where you're not working in collaboration with another agency. And I feel like just you know five, 10 years ago, there was this sort of secret spy versus spy. We're, we're working together, but I'm also trying to blow you up with a bomb. <laughs> and, um, and now more and more, we're just having way more honest conversations between agencies and between brands. Like there's no version of this where 
where one of us succeeds and the other one fails on behalf of the, like we either, we succeed together or we fail together. That's great. You're right. And, and, and that is absolutely the model. And what I found actually when this works well is that we just build upon each other in terms of the ideas yeah. and the product just, uh, uh, gets better, but sometimes it's tough. And, and, uh, you know, and that's part of the reason the partners who are around my table are partners who know and get it, know how to operate in that uh, model in that environment. They've been successful. We've been successful as a team together. Were you sick to your stomach when you had to finally say yes or no to a multi-million dollar campaign and the 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 uh, the the expenditure, just the volume of expenditure? I mean, I know that managing big budgets has always been a part of your job, but do those nerves ever go away that like, you know, there's a lot riding on this and this is a big investment just from a human standpoint? I understand your question, but here's the thing and kind of the way I operate. Uh, I told you we introduced it, you know, four months ahead right. to um, our employees. Uh, I had a lot of time collaborating with my partners um, internally and spent a lot of time talking to customers and prospective customers. Um, and I had a great t team sort of working with me. It's definitely nerve-wracking, um, but we had done our homework. Yeah. Um, and uh, we collaborated really well together, and we had the whole organization uh, moving in one direction. And, you know, the, the platform's only been out for less than a year, and we're already in 45 markets. Right. Um, and we've seen brand consideration move um, and we've seen uh, just increase in uh, both search demand as well as, you know, the ultimate test in terms of um, getting new customers sort of in the door. So the proof certainly is in, in the pudding, and I feel really good about it kind of at the end of the day. Um, but it was, it was uh, an accelerated journey, but it was a well-thought-out journey. So by the time you finally had to, to sort of, uh, you know, press the button or whatever to, right. like, make it happen, we'd done our homework. We knew it was going to work. Yeah. And in that first year, you have to lay the foundation and you have to leave some room for testing and learning. Now that that foundation has been laid, uh, what are you excited about in 2019 and 2020? Yeah, a, a great question. And you're absolutely right. We got to sort of raise the bar. And here's one thing that I'm really excited about, just that integration from the top to the bottom of the funnel um, and how we're going to take this platform, that this foundation that we started with, and uh, really run it through the pipes, for lack of a better thing to, to say. And, you know, the customer funnel has changed so much kind of over time. But I'm really talking about this uh, marriage between brand and performance marketing. And that's where we're at the cusp of right now. And what I'm really excited about is just this notion of people-based marketing, kind of human-to-human -human marketing, kind of using the data, the technology, um, and this sort of notion of dynamic creative optimization and really just, you know, letting it uh, come to life in, and creating those meaningful connections um, a, a, that are going to create, I think, long-term loyalty at the end of the day. But this is what I'm really excited about um, at the end of the day, that connection between brand and performance marketing. What is your relationship to the stock price? Do you know it at all times? <laughs> um, is it helpful to... Uh, to look away from it and, and focus on tasks at hand. Like, what is your relationship to it on a day-to-day -day basis? <laughs> um, look, I'm in it for the long, the the long term. The the uh, and I think we all are sort of as as a as a company. Um, what I think about when you ask me that question is just making sure um, that I protect, I defend, and I innovate around that the brand value. 
um, uh, that we, I, can deliver to the company. Um, that, to me, is uh, sort of my relationship to how successful uh, the business is. And it's reflected in so many ways, not just sort of the stock price kind of at the end of the day. Sure. So I'm incredibly focused on just making sure that I increase the brand value in that equation sort of going forward, particularly given that I have a brand that I am uh, with uh, certainly thousands and thousands of other people protecting and kind of defending right. of 169-year-old history and sort of innovating um, going forward. Um, so, uh, uh, again, I'm in it for the moment and I'm in it for the sort of the long term in terms of what we need to deliver to our customers, uh, to our shareholders, and to our employees. Right. And if you do that, the results follow the That's exactly right. Uh, in the last 10 years as a senior manager, um, what have you gotten better at saying no to? Oh, that is a really hard question for me. I'm, I am uh, someone that needs to work hard on saying no more often. Um, I, uh, I, I think I've gotten um, better at um, sort of managing my time so that I can balance and spend, uh, and spend that time with family because that's really important to me. Sure. And I've worked harder on that um, over time. I think I have also gotten better at making decisions quickly because we got to move on. Um, but I still have a lot of work um, to do here <laughs> in, in this area because I'm a kind of person that if you have a problem, um, you have an opportunity, um, you need help from a career perspective. My door is sort of wide open, and I spend a lot of time, as we just talked about, in terms of uh, caring individually um, about people. And if I could do that all day and do all my work, we would be. <laughs> it would, it, you know, it, it would be great. It's hard to balance all of that. Um, so I guess you're hearing from me, boy. I need some work on that. No. <laughs> I mean, if you if you showed up to this podcast, it means you say yes to everything. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> That's not true. Here's one for you. Okay. 30 years at American Express. What is your all-time favorite American Express commercial? And it has to predate your time as CMO, obviously. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You're like uh, uh, Jerry Seinfeld, uh, the release the hounds. I don't know if you remember that uh, commercial, but it was all about – uh, us really making sure that customers understood that we were not just in the T and E business; that you could use your card everywhere. And he was actually uh, demonstrating how you could use your card uh, to pay for gas. And so, uh, just a great, a great, really funny spot um, uh, with a great spokesperson for us, and also just a great message to tell our customers at that time. If you ever look at me or any of your marketing partners and they don't know that reference, <laughs> you fire them immediately. Okay. Let's make that <laughs> Elizabeth Rutledge, thank you for joining me today. Uh, thank you for your partnership, and best of luck in writing the next great chapter of American Express. Thanks so much for having me. Had a great time. Okay, thank you very much to Elizabeth Rutledge. Thank you to JSM Music and the executive producer of this podcast, Jeff Fiorello. And if you're digging the pod, please share it with a colleague or friend. Subscribe, write a beautifully written review. And until we talk again, peace.